podcast channel for the uh, All-American Signal Chapter of the 82nd Airborne Association. My guest tonight is Mr. George Lewis Jr. His dad was a member of the famed Easy Company 2nd Battalion 506th Parachute Infantry Regiment, and we're just going to hang out and talk about his dad a little bit tonight. So, George, welcome. Hey, Ben. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, really, very excited to have you here. Uh, we've been focused on uh, Easy Company a little bit on the podcast the last few weeks. We uh, had uh, Chris Langlois on talking about his grandfather. I've had a lot of recommendations. Chris is the guy who said, you got to get George Jr. on the program. <laughs> so I I'm pretty excited to have you here. I'd like to just jump right into the questions. And, and as we had discussed kind of before the podcast, I'm really interested in kind of the after the war stuff. So you're born, you're growing up in New England. And I'm guessing, you know, dad's just dad to you. Like you've got no idea that he's, you know, basically a war hero, I, I'm assuming. Is, so what was it like growing up as George Lez's kid? Well, you know, it was, it was interesting because, you know, I was very fortunate that, you know, uh, my dad and mom included us, my sister and I, in their reunions. So as a young kid, I went, uh, we went uh, 1956 at Fort Campbell, Kentucky was, was uh, our very first reunion that I went to. Uh, my mom and dad went in 65, I mean, um, 56. They went in 56. Um, and then I went in 65. Uh, so it was kind of neat in a way to, to go to the reunions and meet these guys and their wives and stuff. But keep in mind, I was only nine years old. And uh, when you're nine and you're in a hotel, uh, you're happy it has a pool. <laughs> I understand completely. That makes a lot of sense. Now, were there a lot of, were there periodic reunions throughout growing up? So you go when you're nine, maybe when you're 15, and it starts to make a little bit more sense. Well, what, uh, what happened in, in my case, it, it started in uh, uh, 65, and then uh, 68 was in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, um, 70 was in uh, Las Vegas, and, um, uh, or just the opposite, and then um, 1981 was in San Diego, and 81 was when, you know, the men, I was older, and uh, so I got to meet the men at a little bit different level. Uh, and then I got a chance to meet some of the kids, some of the easy kids uh, were there. Uh, Mary Ann Malarkey was there, uh, Tracy, uh, let's see, B.B. Uh, Gordon was there, Linda Gordon was there. Uh, so it was really neat to, uh, to meet some of the kids at that point, along with Tracy Compton. Her dad had hosted uh, the reunion in 1981. So, you know, it went from that area from, from, uh, from 65 to 81. So it was an opportunity to kind of see the men as they were older. No, that's very cool. Now with the, the easy kids, as you referred to them, I'm assuming over time, you guys kind of formed a bit of a bond too. Do you still stay in touch with these folks? Do you, especially in the age of the internet, or do you correspond? Do you have almost your own association? Well, we're very fortunate. You know, Chris, uh, Chris Lang was such a great job. Uh, uh, leading the charge in a sense, but you know, there's, there's so many good uh, family members, the Malarkey kids, uh, the Bain kids, the Comptons, the Carsons, the Garnieri kids, you know, Chris, like I said, my sister and I, you know, the list just kind of goes on and on and on. And, um, you know, I, uh, the Strayers, um, let's see. So it's really neat 
to get a chance to reconnect with the kids at reunions. Uh, just a few weeks ago, Chris hosted the reunion in Dallas. And uh, unfortunately, because of COVID, uh, uh, we weren't able to go. I was quite disappointed in that. Uh, I, I thought to myself, gee whiz, you know, if my dad can jump into Normandy <laughs> on D-Day, I should be able to go to Dallas. You know, what's, what's, what's the worst thing that could happen? But in any event, uh, we unfortunately didn't go. However, I'm very proud of the kids that were able to go and all the dear friends of Easy Company um, to keep the string alive of 74 consecutive years. That's amazing. That is fantastic. I'm really excited to hear that. And I'm glad Chris was able to pull that off. That's a very, very strong legacy. So if we can roll things back a little bit. So you, you're going to these reunions, you're meeting people, you're starting to get to know the, the, the warriors, if you will, on a, a more mature level. They're getting a little bit older. And then 1992 Ambrose's book comes out. Was there an understanding even prior to the publication? Was he going to reunions? Did he ever come to interview your dad? Or it was like the book itself kind of a surprise, like, hey, there's a book about Easy Company coming out. How did, how did that affect your lives even before publication, if at all? Well, you know, my, my mom and dad, because they went to the reunions quite a bit, uh, we used to have kind of a pre and post conference discussion about the reunions. So they would tell, uh, we would sit there on Wednesday evenings at having uh, spaghetti and meatballs. And uh, they would tell me about what's coming up, where the location of the reunion is, and who's going to be there. And then when they got back, we'd have another discussion. And my, my dad and his buddies really corresponded quite a bit. So there was a lot of that going back and forth and a lot of pictures and a lot of letters to read. Um, so it was really neat uh, as that progressed to get to know the guys to that degree and then when my dad passed away in 1998, actually, we just had 22 years ago, October 15th, oh my goodness. 1998, um, I reconnected uh, with the men and their wives and the kids. So it was really uh, meeting them at a different level. I wasn't Luz, but I was Luz's kid. Sure. And some of them, you know, may have remembered me as a little kid, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, little kids are seen but not heard yes, sir. type of thing. But so I was very lucky to meet these guys again, reconnect with them again, and have a relationship with them that was very enriching to me. Oh, that's fantastic. So 98, you reconnect. And like, so we're coming right up on 2000. The HBO uh, miniseries is going to be a thing. Uh, were you contacted by HBO? Like, how did you get pulled into that, if at all? Yeah, well, uh, what had happened was HBO had called um, my mother's house, on, actually on a Wednesday, because uh, I used to go there on Wednesday. Well, it's Prince Spaghetti. And, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and yet I got my laundry done, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, anyway. so anyway, yeah, so uh, they had called out, and I think my sister was there, too. And uh, one, of the, one of the writers, uh, Eric Genderson, I think, had called. And I, I think I may have answered the phone. And I talked to him briefly. And I handed it off to my mom. And my mom uh, talked to him as well, just to kind of, uh, he just had some questions. And I think that's when they told us there was a person actually playing uh, our dad in the series. So um, 
so that was the initial contact uh, from HBO. And did you get to go to the premiere in Paris the following year? Oh, yes, yes. But actually what had happened was at the reunion in Biloxi in 2000, uh, Tracy Gordon did a heck of a job of putting that reunion together with the assistance with, under the direction of Garnier, who had done uh, a whole bunch of these things. He really deserves a lot of credit for keeping the reunions together. But Tracy did a great job in 2000 in putting together that reunion. And at that reunion, it was really neat to, to meet all the guys again in person. And then um, uh, we met Joe Hobbs. And Joe Hobbs was the main costume guy. And at that particular reunion, there was a lot of folks from HBO that had shown up. And uh, Joe was one of them. He was, like I said, the main costume guy. And, and I kind of had a fancy for the boots and stuff. And I just <laughs> said to him, I said, hey, I'd really like to get a pair of those boots. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, George, if you come over on your own steam, I'll give you a pair. <laughs> so, uh, so that was in, I think that was in June, the beginning of June. And uh, when I got back, I told my wife, I said, honey, we, we can go to the set to watch some filming and, and uh, meet Rick. So, um, so that's what happened. Uh, in September, my wife and I flew. Uh, Joe took care of us, picked us up. HBO invited us to come to the set. We spent a couple of days at the set and it was a great time. And that's kind of where I got a chance to really connect with Joe Hobbs, who, who's just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And um, uh, since passed away since then, but uh, just a super duper guy. And um, so I went to the, there and then after the world premiere in Normandy, which was just, phew, just over the top, HBO did such a bang up job. It was, I don't know if it was six or seven days, whatever it was, but it was a blur. It went by fast. It was a lot of late nights, early mornings, and just hanging out with the men and the wives and the families and all the actors too. You know, the actors have been such great ambassadors for the men. Uh, they just have done a wonderful job. Well, it's fantastic too. I mean, we're coming up on 20 years since the premiere and it's mm. so in, still in the public consciousness. It's still a supremely uh, popular series. You see stuff on social media about it. So you'd mentioned Rick. So Rick Gomez is the guy who plays your dad. Mm. And the, once again, I realized that your dad was dad when you were growing up and he's a young man during the war. And so Gomez is playing kind of a different guy than the one you grew up with. But did, did he capture anything about your dad's essence? Or were you like, I don't even recognize what Rick Gomez is doing up there on the screen? <laughs> no, 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 no. He did a great, great job. You know, my dad was the funny guy, the life of the party and, you know, the Joker and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, Rick really uh, was an amazing, will always be very thankful for the role he played of our dad. Um, you know, and it's because of him, you know, when you look at the series itself, we didn't really know, you know, they said, okay, there's going to be a guy playing your dad. So we really didn't know how much of my dad was going to be in there. Uh, but because of Rick and because of his humor, uh, I think there was a lot of things that they kind of inserted guys to do this or inserted guys to do that. Or, um, so yeah, Rick, uh, a fantastic job. And, uh, and every once in a while, uh, whether it was with Tim Gray and the World War II Foundation in Normandy, where he would bring a bunch of the actors in, we would reconnect, uh, things like that. Or uh, actually, Ivan Schwartz had had a wonderful event in Cleveland and uh, Stephen Ambrose Historical Society, who I, I go on tours with. Um, 
had said, would you like to go to that event there? It was a wonderful event. And I got a chance to see Rick again. So, uh, but yeah, he, he just did such a great job. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, when I watch the movie or the, the miniseries, excuse me, I, I, and I'm a former communications guy. So I see Luz is packing a radio. He's a, a technical rank, a, a technician, fourth class, a technician, fifth class. Was your dad a, a commo guy or is that just something that the, Hey, Gomez, put this backpack radio on. It's going to look great in the shot. Did they get, did they get your dad's role right as far as you know and what he what he did for the company? Was he a communications man? I know. He's oh a- yeah, yeah, he was the radio guy. Him and actually, actually, there's a there's an interesting audio clip. One day I'll have to share it with you. Interesting audio clip of uh, Frank Bracani and my dad and both on D Day, and uh, I think I think Frank was carrying the radio and my dad was carrying the batteries. But the problem was. My dad lost his leg back, so, so Frank had a radio that didn't have any batteries. <laughs> it's, it's a funny story, especially if you ever get a chance. Well, if you've ever heard Frank tell the story, uh, it's just priceless. To hear him tell the story and then listen to it on tape, it's just amazing. I'll, we'll have to do it sometime. That's fantastic. Oh, I, had, I had a follow-up question that I just completely lost my train of thought on. But So I'm glad to hear that they got that right. Now, oh, I, I know where I was going with this. So your dad is the funny guy. Uh, he's doing the voices. That's a, a big part of the comedic relief. But as the series goes on, you know, obviously it's a very sobering time in these young men's lives. And you, you know, your dad becomes battle hardened. All the all the the men become battle hardened. Did you find that kind of off putting to see even an actor portraying somebody that you you know you had grown up with as a, a, a knowing him as pop in in those types of situations? Did that? If I'm getting too personal, I apologize, and you don't need to answer anything you don't want to ask. But was it? kind of rough to watch up on screen go, wow, that's my dad in that very life-threatening situation. Yeah. Was that? Well, I think it was more humbling to think that, you know, somebody, you know, that, you know, that your dad had done something that significant that gets him on TV. Um, you know, so that was it for me. Cause that was, uh, you know, cause we all look at ourselves, we all measure ourselves based on our fathers. And our mothers, but more, you know, guys, their fathers and uh, girls, their mothers. Maybe I guess that's how it goes. I'm not <laughs> sure if that's still how it goes, but it could, it could. But yeah, so uh, no, I, not at all, not at all. You know, Rick did an amazing job. I, I never really looked at it that way. Um, there was, <laughs> there was one scene, however, when I think he was, uh, when I think he was looking for eggs. Well, no, I think he was looking for something else, but. Um, he was in the barn and it was some young uh, girl from whatever country it was. And <laughs> I remember watching that particular scene. I think Frank was outside and he was trying to give us some chocolates or something like that. So that one particular scene, <laughs> I think that particular night I was watching with my mother or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, that was, I was a little dicey. I was like, oh God, what's going to happen here? So, but it turned out okay. I understand. So were your dad the voice guy when you growing up too, or is did he was he a real you know impressionist the way the series makes him appear? Oh yeah, he was multi talented. You know he could do all kinds of stuff. He could you know tell jokes and imitate voices, and he could play instruments and all kinds of stuff like that. So yeah, he was very versatile. Oh, that's fantastic. Now we had you'd kind of mentioned before how close the men were, obviously attending these reunions, uh, corresponding. So. I'd kind of like to, you know, turn this over to you so you could kind of share the uh, the experiences of your dad and the three years that he spent with these men under such trying uh, circumstances. You mentioned you had something you wanted to share with the audience. Oh, okay. Sure. You ready to go with that? Yeah, right on. 
Alrighty, let's see if we can do that. All right, so we're going to go to that. And then we're going to go to that. Okay, and now I'll set this up. So this is at the book opening in 1992. Uh, during the book opening, Stephen Ambrose gets up, all the officers get up, and they tell a little slice of their time in Normandy. And uh, so this was just a little bit of my dad talking about his experience and what it meant to be with these guys. Um, and I'll, we'll just kind of roll it along and I'll give you a little feedback afterwards. And this, my dear wife, is no reflection of my love of marriage. I've been in this country, he helped me, you know, August 1942. I left it in December of 1945. Those were the best three years of my life. Yeah, and that was, uh, <clears throat> there was a little gap in there, you know, and where my dad was gathering up his emotions. Uh, everybody thought he was trying to be funny, <laughs> but he was as serious as a heart attack there. And, you know, you could hear it in his voice. There was a little crackle in his voice about how important it was for him. It was a defining moment or defining time for him, uh, spending those three years with those guys. And you know, you know how it is, you, you're in the military, you've been in the military, you know what it is to share time with men and time in combat and nobody's closer than the guys who served in combat. Yes, sir. Very true. Very true. I, that, that's an amazing piece of history you have there. I'm glad that you, you could share that with us. So thank you very much for that. Well, you're welcome. So that was uh, obviously part of a larger presentation. So you've kind of made a... Uh, a nonprofit, if you will. I don't have a good good word for it, but you kind of are keeping your dad's legacy alive and sharing it, sharing it, you know, the story of Easy Company, sharing the story of George Luds with different groups. Uh, you'd mentioned that you're going to be talking to the Rhode Island National Guard soon. Could you share a little bit more about what you've been doing since the the miniseries and kind of spreading the, the Easy Company story? Well, you know, the great thing is, you know, Dick Winters had, had talked to the man and said, you know, uh, you're going to have to share your story. Not you're going to have to. It's your duty to share the stories, your stories. And all of the men did it in different ways. Some spoke to schools and some spoke to rotaries and some spoke in many different venues. And, and I know in my case, people would say to me, hey, why don't you tell some stories about your dad or put something together? And this was, uh, you know, a handful of years ago. And I always thought, you know, there's enough guys around who can tell this story and they don't need to hear it from me. We want to hear it from them. So, you know, as the years clicked by, it kind of got to the point where, you know, now we know, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, Bill Wingett recently passed away and we have Mr. Freeman and, and Ed Shames. So, uh, so over the last two or three years, I've kind of worked on a presentation that I put together and, and uh, just shares their stories and some, um, you know, not, not personal stories, but personal stories and uh, some audio clips and some pictures, you know, because all of the, a lot of the kids who grew up, you know, they all grew up around their, their father and they all see a lot of the pictures. And to whatever degree the dad shared the stories, they did share things with them. So, you know, like Chris wrote the book and I know uh, Mary Ann Malarkey is writing a book about her dad and, uh, and Fritz and their family, you know, to uh, an American 
and a German soldier coming together. So we're all kind of doing our part to continue to share those stories uh, of the men. And hopefully, and I think the whole thing about the series, I think uh, my father would have been most proud that hopefully other men were able to tell their stories too by seeing Band of Brothers, you know, because, you know, 16 million American men and women uh, served during World War II from the American side. So yes, sir. Uh, it wasn't just Easy Company. <laughs> the big joke about how Easy Company won the war, we all know that's <laughs> not true. But, but anyway, so I think that's what my dad would probably have come away with is he would be very proud if that other guys could tell their stories because we all know they all have stories. It doesn't matter what you did. Everybody has a story. Yes, sir. And that, I think that's a fantastic legacy. And it's great that the, uh, the children of the men at Easy Company are carrying that on as well. And I think that's a fantastic note to end on. So, uh, George, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I've really enjoyed our time together. This has just been a, uh, a really enjoyable evening. And uh, thank you very much. Hey, you're welcome, Ben. Thank you for having me on.